If today's news has you taking care of more errands from the couch this spring, then Wafed Bank has some tools to help. You can open our free checking account online without ever leaving your house. Our free checking and mobile banking app includes photo check deposit, person-to-person text payments, bill pay, and even fee-free access to 32,000 MoneyPass ATMs. All this without having to pay a monthly fee. Member FDIC, free checking requires e-statement registration, direct deposit, and 25 bucks to open. Overdraft and return item fees may apply. Listen to this. Sakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Sakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. All right, welcome back, guys. We are now joined by Sounders FC player. He's going to hopefully um, be able to give us a little bit of an update where things stand. He's also the player rep, but um, someone who's done really well since coming to Seattle. He's done really, really well. Um, came, I think, in the same summer as Will Bruin and has scored some big goals and been involved in big moments for the club. So I'd like to say we are now joined by Harry Ship. Harry, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. Um I would say you're probably, of all the players, one of the ones that's probably more busy because you're not only having to try and stay fit and do that, but you're also having the conversations with the union and the league and then having yeah. to relay that to the players. So these, these yeah. past eight weeks or so, how's that been for you doing that balancing act? It's been good. Um, you know, luckily, there's, there's not a whole lot else to distract me from doing those two things currently. So I think, um, I mean, the workout stuff is hard. It's, it is what it is. We have the Zoom workouts. We I try to run on my own as much as possible. Um, the other stuff has been it's been kind of difficult because we spent like this whole last year before this leading up to it, like doing a whole CBA negotiation, um, and then all of a sudden a couple months later you're in the spot where not only are we discussing the future of the CBA but also pay stuff for 2020, and there's this whole return to play issue where you're trying to figure out, you know, what are turn to play scenarios that players are comfortable with and excited about that also like get the league excited. So I think trying to balance all those things, it's something the last, you know, few weeks for sure. I've taken a lot of my time, both, you know, internally within the union and then also trying to relay as much information and soliciting feedback from players. I, I remember I was the player rep for the team and the last CBA negotiation was supposed to be me and Lamar and Lamar got a concussion the day before and couldn't travel. So we were deciding, I was deciding myself, <laughs> And just relaying phone calls to the entire group. And I, I tell you, it was the most stressful 48 hours of my life, like by far, because I'd have to go on a group call and then other individuals would be like, oh, no, I'm not willing to take that amount of pay. And then I call yeah. Clinton. It's a different I got to explain the whole situation over again. And then Chad Barrett wants yeah. something else. Has that kind of been your yeah. your you, you've done it now twice this year already? Right. You did it with the CBA. And now is that what it's like right now? Are players kind of all over the map or is it a united group at this point? No, I think the CBA stuff is easier. I think I'm able to um, focus the message in terms of, like, what I think is best. And I think this group of guys is pretty good in that, like, 
I have enough of a relationship because I've been around them that like, I think they trust what my opinions are for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think post-CBA, it's been more difficult because this is kind of unprecedented, like, like having to potentially take a pay cut or have these things that would negatively affect both you and the league while also figuring out like, what am I willing to do that I didn't sign up for in terms of how do I complete my job? Um, Everyone has like wildly varying opinions in terms of what they're willing or not willing to do. So I think like it's been hard, yeah, trying to balance and manage all those things because (laughs) in a group of 26 guys, you're definitely not going to have the same opinions, let alone in a group of 700 when we're trying to go back to the league with ideas of, you know, what are possible things that could satisfy the the biggest majority of the player pool. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been challenging. Harry, question for you. So, the league shut down in March. We're now May 13th. Today, yeah. um, the Sounders was, was supposed to be playing away at San Jose. So, obviously, like, you know, we've, it's completely gone. The, the, any hope of having a full regular season. Um, May yeah. 13th today, how much can you tell us of where things stand? Where do we stand right now? Obviously, we're hearing so many things through the grapevine. I'm sure yeah. nothing concrete's been decided. But where do we stand in terms of how the league and the players are viewing this? Yeah, I think um, yeah, it's, it's complicated because things change every day, let alone every week. But I think right now, I think both sides are committed to trying to play as many games as possible. I think the hard part is figuring out logistically what the safest way to do that is, whether that's you know waiting and potentially doing stuff in markets um, without fans or trying to do it at a central location. Um, I think like there's not you know, close to deciding either way, but I think both sides are trying to explore what the best options are currently. Um, because like you said, like we want it, it's not like players don't want to do the jobs. Like we want to do our jobs and the league wants to try to put on games for fans to watch. I think it's just a matter of how do you do that where players feel comfortable? And that's, that's the tricky part. Have you, have you guys, has there been talk in the locker room? Like we've been seeing Vancouver start training, uh, Kansas city teams in Texas, Florida, have guys in the locker room kind of, is there a rumbling of why aren't we allowed to play and these guys are? And once this thing starts back up, these guys are getting an extra month under their belts on a pitch to get the, their legs underneath them. I mean, I'm talking risk of injury, um, you know, and just yeah. overall performance getting into it. Or is it now a situation where just like, hey, we just want guys to do something. So credit to them that they're in a place that they can do that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think guys are frustrated, but not necessarily frustrated like at the league or the local government. I think they're just like they want to get out and do something, so they're not sitting in their apartment all day. Um, but also like understanding of that, like ultimately we don't really have control in this. It's up to Washington and Seattle, and like when they deem it safe, we can do it. But I think. Yeah, as guy like when everyone was doing the same thing, I think it was easier for guys to be willing to do all the Zoom call meeting, like Zoom workouts and all that. And now that like some guys are out on the field in some markets, I think that makes it harder to keep guys cooped up inside. <laughs> uh, Harry, player rep, is that a position that you volunteer for? Do the players um, on the team vote for it? How did you guys go about it? Because I think maybe, you know, fans might be listening and not actually know exactly how you even become a player rep yeah so it's, it's an officially voted um role and i think over the course of you know 10 years ago maybe it wasn't um and i think when i first started out five or seven years ago with the with chicago like i don't think there was an official like vote in terms of players giving me power to make decisions on their behalf but now there is um so i think yeah it's like you have this vote where you're trying to put your trust in one guy when ultimately like things come down to it i have a vote on behalf of the sounders for 
you know, whether to accept certain proposals, whether to propose certain things to the league, um, while also, like, I'm someone that's going to be transparent with them, so I'm not going to make all these unilateral, unilateral decisions, and, and I think guys know that by now. Yeah, I can't think of a better uh, representative on the Sounders right now to have a smart, uh, cool, common, collected guy. I want to spin it a little bit more lighthearted. You've now played just about as many games uh, for the Sounders, I think, as you did for Chicago. I know your heart yeah. is in Chicago. That's where you're from. But talk about yeah. your time with Seattle and, and kind of where your mindset is at. Is this home for you? Um, I think you've scored the same amount of goals for both clubs now. So which which one weighs more in your heart? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I think professionally like i only spent two years there and this is my fourth year here so i've actually spent more time playing professionally with the sounders so i feel like spent most more than than half my career here so i definitely feel a connection to seattle way more so than when i moved here like when i came here i'd literally never been to the city besides i think once play or twice to play maybe um and then like also chicago like i grew up playing for the academy and like i wasn't it's not like i just had the and i started going to fire games when i was six or seven years old so i think like for me, that'll always be the most special experience, like getting to play for this club that I grew up my whole life going to games for. But I do think like this has been much more, I've developed a more meaningful connection to players, the club, the city than I necessarily thought when I first came out here, for sure. What about Montreal? <laughs> I think Montreal is different in that I was one only there a year and I didn't have like, my wife wasn't here. So I wasn't like as involved in like trying to actually put down roots in the community. Yeah. Whereas here, like now we have a bunch of like people outside of the team that we hang out with and a bunch of other things that we do besides just Sounders related activities, um, which I think it makes it easier for me to feel connected to Seattle versus feeling connected to Montreal. Who's your, who's your roommate on the road, Harry, for this on, when you guys have road games? Who's my roommate? Uh, that's tough. Like all of last year and the year before that, it was Brian Meredith and <laughs> him not being here. Um, so in preseason, I was with Will. Um, so like that was awesome just because I've, me and Will came here the same time a few years ago. So I've, I know Will really well. So I love that. Um, but then he wasn't going to be traveling those first few games because of rehabbing from injuries. So like if we had actually gone to Houston, I have no idea who my roommate would have been, honestly. <laughs> Uh, so the Sounders are showing uh, all of our classics on Saturday nights. I think this week is a is a, a choice of a multi-goal Raul Roy Diaz performance. And I didn't realize how many doubles that this guy had. Um, is, is Talk about Raul. I didn't get to play with him. Is he the best mm -hmm. striker you've played with? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, right now, for sure. I think, I you know, I've been lucky to play with some guys that are – good finishers i played with drugbo in montreal and then i think mike mcgee was like super underrated when i played with him in chicago just in terms of being like a smart box finisher um but i think putting all that together both like having the box finishing the mobility the willingness to like work hard defensively i think raul currently is is the best striker i've played with i'd love to play with him steve i know you'd love to play with him yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love watching them. I absolutely love watching them. <laughs> um, Harry, before we go, I'll ask you this. For you, um, yeah. what, what is the best outcome? What do you see as a best case scenario for you, just um, in terms of how much of a season can we rescue? I know a lot of people want the season to come back, obviously, in the safest yeah. way possible. Uh, what would be the ideal scenario for you? Yeah, I think um, I think it's hard to put like a number on how many games is ideal. I think for me, like more so than the quantity, I think 
making sure that whatever we do, whether it's like a modified tournament, whether it's like a shortened season, I think it's something that is competitive and guys are bought in. So it doesn't feel like a preseason, you know, mm. tournament, because I think especially when you have a situation where you're most likely going to have to start without fans, like having that player buy into making it competitive, like real MLS games, I think if we can do that, that's going to be a win. So I think like whether that's 10 games, 15 games, 20 games, I think the quality of those games is, is how it should ultimately be judged. Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar by sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest. Chefs Caleb Espinosa and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at Olive 8, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm very, very delighted to say that we're joined by one of the happiest people, not only in the organization, but I think in the whole world, for anyone who's met him. Um, someone who's worked with all the top goalkeepers the club has produced. The big reason why the club's always had really good goalkeepers. The one, the only, Tom Dutra joins us right now, Sounders FC goalkeeper and coach. Dutra, what's up, man? Good, man. You don't, don't introduce me like that, dude. Come on. Come on. Come on. I am happy. <laughs> but been very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me start with the obvious question. Obviously, it's been a very weird time um, for everyone with what's been happening. Um, how have kind of these past couple months been for you in terms of, you know, trying to find a balance between keeping in touch with Steph and the other goalkeepers and helping guide them along, but also knowing that there's a strong possibility that none of us really know what's actually happening? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just, I mean, that's just, you know, I've been, you answer your first question. I mean, we've been in contact usually one or two times a week, sometimes three, but not too much. I think at the beginning, everybody was like, okay, we're going to get you out all this information, this video, this is what we're going to do. I want you to look at this. And then as the time has gone on, it's like, okay, the reality is nobody knows. And so just trying to stay in contact with them, but also see how they are, you know, mentally. And, and uh, you know, thankfully, thankfully for him, he's, Steph's got something else to look forward to, get his mind off the game and, um, you know, and, and help his focus that way, which I think is important for all goalkeepers. Cleveland, you know, same thing. He's been pretty motivated. You know, Trey is a younger kid. That's It's very, very tough. But, you know, I think I the thing that always gets me, you know, thinking about these things is that, you know, you got to get busy living. And, you know, I mean, whether – you know, Steve, look, I mean, you've dealt with the Congo, there's divorces in life, there's cancer, there's 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 things that, you know, unfortunately things happen in life, but you got to get busy living the moment you're in. I feel like it's a, just a difficult time for everyone. You know, I just would be going crazy right now if, if I was a player. But what what makes this Sounders team so much stronger uh, in your mind in their ability to kind of overcome things, which obviously the team has done in the past. Is it a mentality thing? Does it start with you and Schmetz? Does it start with, you know, the guys up top? Or is it just a group of guys? It's you guys, Brad. I mean, you guys know that. It's always the players. It's always the players. You know, if there's one thing this club has done right is it's selecting the correct players. It's the players first and foremost. 
And all we try to do is just create an environment where people can succeed in and try to learn and become better. That's all it is. It's the coaches, yes, very small part of it, in my opinion. Love it. Love that, Tommy. Um, let, let me ask you this. As a goalkeeper coach, because you've worked with two of the very best we've seen um, in MLS, obviously. Um, when Casey Keller came back, he was obviously at the end of his career. He'd already accomplished everything that he wanted to accomplish. So his motivations were different. Um, Stefan Fry came here. He still had a point to prove. He's a good young goalkeeper, had some injuries, needed a fresh start. How do you kind of change your approach depending on what your goalkeeper needs? Where Casey's pretty much done, just going to play two or three years, and Steph really has to kick on and prove that um, he still has it. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to Casey, you know, the thing is I always remember is like I remember saying to myself, man, don't screw this up. Like don't overtrain when you don't need to overtrain because you got some young ones you need to work. The great thing about Casey is, and you guys remember, I mean, he in three years, he missed three sessions. And so he came out every day to prove that, you know what, he still had it. And he was going to set the standards. That actually made my job very easy to show the young ones, look, look what this guy's doing. He's going through every set and he's not taking a set off. You know, and then, you know, obviously he goes throughout his career with or his last three years with us. And, you know, he had a legacy to protect. And, and, and you know, I mean, this was it for him. And, uh, you know, not, and he did very well for us. And then with Gisperning coming in and, and having to replace him was another challenge. And then with Steph was a whole different challenge. I mean, Steve, you remember he came through your class and everything was riding well. And then the last couple of years, his years at Toronto, he was a backup. He had injuries, backup, confidence had gone. Uh, he was one of five guys we had looked at at that time to replace Michael. And so the situation, and if you guys remember, you know, you know, that 2014 preseason, nothing was promised. I mean, Ziggy didn't make that decision until three days before or four days before the first game. And and my only thing was at that time in 14, let's give them six to eight games. If this is who we're six to eight games, let's go, you know, and then, you know, try to build them up from there. And, and you know, we would see it in training. I mean, and then obviously, I think the turning point for him was the uh, 2014 Open Cup game in September. And then from then on, I think he's been very good for us. So I kind of want to build off uh, Steve's question there. And I know it's coming. It's it's who is the best goalkeeper you've coached? Is it is it Casey? Is it Mark? Because you you actually backed up Marcus, right? When, yeah. With the Sounders. And yeah. so you've obviously seen Marcus probably in his prime. Yeah. And then you have Casey later in his career. And now you've got Steph, who, you, who you've basically molded into yeah. an elite uh, MLS goalkeeper. Well, I didn't mold him. That's, again, that's him putting the work in. But, um, yeah, you know, Marcus doesn't get enough due because he was here at his end. Um, honestly, that guy was an anomaly in itself because he was so big and so cumbersome, but yet he was, he was like, a, I don't know how you describe him, Brad, you probably have better words to describe him, but I mean, he's just, he's, he's, he's a better athlete than he would ever give himself credit for. And then all of a sudden you see a move, you're like, what it just happened? Yeah. You know, I've never uh, seen a big was, guy, a big we guy move like that. Yeah, exactly. And when we were teammates, I used to get so pissed because I'd, you know, I was nowhere near that kind of quality as a shot stopper, but I'd work my ass off to try to get there. And all of a sudden, right when I felt like, okay, I'm in a good position, I'm going to do this, he takes up a horrible position, but he still makes the save, you know? And, right. uh, you know, people just didn't get a chance to see what that was. You guys saw him and obviously uh, know what he was about, but, you know, that, that was kind of my hope for him when he came back is that, you know, but, you know, we had other good goalkeepers too. Yeah. So, so, so many good goalkeepers. It's, it's, 
I still say that Casey, um, you know, his shot stopping ability in training, and oh. I, I never got to play against him, and that's kind of different. Yeah. But Casey's shot stopping in training is is something I'd never seen before, even playing yeah. with you know Guzan and and Tim Howard. Even he's right up there. And Marcus, like you said, we got tail end. And then yeah. Steph, like watching his progression, I think when you're in something for so long, like you have been, and yeah. you know, I, I was around Steph for a long time, you forget about their progression and where they're at now. Because I still, yeah. you know, remember in the beginning and then to see where Steph has come is probably the biggest leaps and bound changes of those three guys. I agree. I mean, where he was at, I mean, if you look at some of the videos, I mean, it's been fun kind of watching you guys do the replays of the old games. And, you know, Brad, even in that 14 um, Open Cup, you know, uh, final, it's like, God, you know, I mean, I did – I. He had a really good game in that, but I can just sense his presence is so much better now than it was then. And he had a really good yes. game. I mean, we won a cup, right? So yep. Yep. I totally agree. And sometimes you got to just take a step back and look at some of that stuff. And But even like this morning, I'm breaking down video, just positional stuff. It would drive you guys nuts and bore you to tears. But just positional <laughs> and, and just the positions that he was taking up in our games last year. Um, it was like, wow, that's actually pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Tommy, okay, let's talk about the position itself because you've been around it obviously much longer than I have, but I would say even from when I played in the league until now, it's changed so much where I don't remember us as a team telling Casey or maybe (laughs) even Spurning, hey, play out of the back as much as you can. Let's build, use your feet. I mean, Casey, goal kick, we all go up kicks it to the halfway line and we try and compete and play for second balls whereas now Steph makes as much passes as anyone so how have you seen that position change in that way and in any other way as well yeah I mean I remember you know saying to like Terry Boss and stuff like that in training so like listen you don't have a number 10 on your back so don't think you're the number 10 you're the goalkeeper just get it to the guys who can play and, you know, I remember saying, if you got to make the game, then we're in trouble. You know, I used to always tell Terry that. And if you guys remember, he was the king of the Cruyff in training sessions. And Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that Monterey game is memories. <laughs> and, you know, I loved it. You know, but the thing is, the game has changed. You got to be more of a footballer. You got to be a problem solver. And honestly, Steve, I think the new rule change is actually taking a little bit out of the goalkeepers by being able to play a shorter goal kick and those things. I think it's taking some responsibility away from the goalkeeper. Uh, but you got to become a better footballer for sure. And that has changed a lot. I remember having conversations with Michael, like doing video with them. He goes, he would ask me, he goes, well, this, why aren't we playing out of the back here? They'd be Jimmy Trurri showing. I think Brad, you was showing, Ozzy was showing, then half the team wouldn't show. I was like, I, look, I'll take this a zig and ask him. Well, he goes, well, I just, if we can play, we can play. Now it's, we got to try to play. You know, that's the difference. The game, the game has really evolved and you've seen it firsthand, but mm-hmm. your, your, your playing career wasn't that long. No. So how did you how did you get into goalkeeper training and being a goalkeeper coach? Was that something that you always had a vision for? And obviously you've evolved since then. But is it something that's always been in your blood or is it something that, you know, kind of just fell into your lap and you just became good? at? Because you, you obviously and you won't say this, but you're you're probably the best in the league at, at training goalkeepers. And like Steve right. said, you've trained some of the best and Steph's evolution and you alluded to it watching it. That's because of you, right? Steph is doing the work, but there's somebody that is implementing a plan to him. And there's only one guy on the team that does that, and that's you. So all credit is due. Where did that come from? Well, I mean, I think it honestly, I mean, I always love the position. And, you know, I had some bad things happen to me early on that, you know, I, I you know, I had a, a back fusion early on where I wasn't even in football for two years. And I think in that time, I probably took up drinking more than anything else. And 
fought hard to get back into, you know, to hopefully become a pro. And, and then, you know, so during that time, I always remember going, oh my God, can I watch as many goalkeepers as possible? Why still going to school? Why rehabbing a back that, you know, they, I, you know, I had a lot of issues. I think that's where it started from just looking at positional play and those things. Then when I finally got my chance, you know, and then I broke my leg and then came back from that. And I remember, you know, <laughs> Molly and I were married. I think, Brad, we took some of our uh, wedding money and I bought a I bought a recorder, uh, a video recorder, a camera when I was playing the old A-League days. Um, and I would I'd have the equipment guy train video all my sessions. And I'd come home and I would just watch them. You know, and I think that's where it came from. And just and then talking with the goalkeeper coaches I'd work with. Hey, do you think we could do this? What do you think about this step? What do you you think about this footwork? Or do you think this work doesn't work? I think it works for me. I don't think it works for him. You know, and I would constantly uh, look at video, uh, the old videotapes and and those things. And by the time it came 2001, you know, my body was just wrecked anyhow. I mean, I I lost like 20 percent of strength in my my leg over the years because of my back and then the rod didn't help and then from then on I was like my wife I've made a promise to my wife that if I ever got back into coaching or got back into football I'll make sure that it's for the right move and so prior to coaching with Schmetz in the USL I actually got offered an interview for the New England job and those things I wasn't ready for it at the time and then finally I decided to get into coaching and took a loan out I got paid zero money Coached at a small college um, and took a loan out and told my wife, listen, let's give this a couple years um, and see if something comes of it. And I promised her that I'd give everything I had into it and see what happened. And that's kind of how things kind of progress. I mean, I started with the youth, you know, youth academy teams or whatever they called, you know, back then. And, you know, the youth national teams I worked with a little bit and USL and then into this. So that's kind of how it all came together. Yeah, it's interesting how hard work pays off. And drive, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like, yeah. I mean, and I, I truly love the position. I mean, I'll just, I tell the guys this all the time. I, I get so excited when I see them training and stuff like that. I really do. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Amazing, amazing. Um, so before we let you go, I want to ask you this because obviously you guys, I mean, work really hard and they aren't really days off in a sense. But when you do have your time off. I know you're someone who likes to get outdoors and things like that. What's a perfect day off for you? And I'll help you. You're not allowed to say spend time with a wife and kids. I know you're a family man and you spend time with wife and kids. But let's say wife and kids are out of town. It's just you. How do you spend that day off? Do you phone up Casey? Do you phone up Marcus? Go out and what do you, what do, you do on that day off? Yeah, I mean, I'm big into the outdoors, as you said. I mean, whether it's uh, – I mean, it's nothing for me, Steve, to be honest with you. I really enjoy to – you know, spend a four, four to six hours climbing something that hasn't been climbed and ski it. So, you know, any consequential terrain, that kind of stuff, I really love. I feel like I can think freely in those areas, you know, and I always think of it, I get the, those are the times I feel like I can just think the most, you know. So, if I can't do that, then if it's, you know, if I'm mountain biking or I might even hike up to, you know, a river somewhere that no one else has been to and try to fly fish that, I'm out a lot. I mean, I, but I also don't, you know, I don't watch, I don't, you, I'm not on Instagram. I don't do any of that stuff. I just, you know, my family's number one priority. But when it is a day off to answer your question, my wife knows I'm gone and I'm out. You know, there's been times where I've spent a day and a half on Rainier trying to climb that thing and ski it and do different things like that. So <laughs> that's awesome. So that so that's the real reason you didn't take the New England job, because there ain't nothing to do out in New England. <laughs> no, you stay you here so you can get out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, Brad, I was never going to be ready for that, you know, at that time. And, and you know, and, and 
with Tanner being born and at the, or he was, Molly was pregnant and she just looked at me and goes, are you freaking serious? You know, <laughs> um, you know, I knew, I knew I wasn't ready. Love it. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Tommy. And hopefully we yeah. can uh, meet, meet up on the Airstream sometime this summer. When the yeah, dude, I, just, open I, just, up, man. I just cleaned off all the, all the pollen off, uh, off the sides of it and everything else. So love it. Where Good are you stuff, keeping man. yours at? It's just out in Woodenville. It's it's just waiting, man. We're we're looking at like a, a June or July departure to get out for a week or so. We're trying to get Steve out there. Uh, maybe if we, maybe if we've got you and me yeah. and two airstreams, we can actually convince Steve to get out. In the we'll wild. see. We'll see. Steve, it's, it'll be good for you, man. Your mind will just you be be blown, dude. All the thinking you could do. We'll see. I'll think about it. We'll see, man. Tommy, appreciate oh, you, man. Oh, so good, guys. Good talking to you guys. Calling all Sounders fans. Do you know a community hero? Now more than ever, we want to recognize those that are going above and beyond to serve our region. Whether grocery store workers, healthcare professionals, janitors, restaurant staff, or friendly neighbors, our community is full of courageous individuals who deserve our thanks. Please nominate your community hero at soundersfc.com slash community heroes for a chance to have CHI Franciscan and Sounders FC honor them with a VIP experience. All right, Sounders fans, that's it for us. But make sure to tune in to Sounders FC Classics this Saturday, May 16th, as we take a look at Raul Diaz's incredible two-goal performance against the San Jose Earthquakes on Decision Day 2018. Watch the entire contest at 7 p.m. on Joe TV, SoundersFC.com, or the Sounders FC app, and listen to 950KJRAM. Saturday's edition of Sounders FC Classics is presented by Captain Morgan, the official spice rum of Sounders FC, and Steve Zakawani, there's more fun to be had.